Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, September 17th. It's hard to believe that we are almost at the top of the mountain. In about two more weeks, we will complete our reading through the entire Bible in one year. On September 29th, we will begin the new Torah reading cycle for the year, starting with Brashit in Genesis 1-1. For those of you who have been listening throughout the past year, way to go! The Word of God is what protects us against deception and delusion. In the world we now live in, finding truth is something you have to seek after with all of your heart, because there are so many lies being pushed and promoted through the mainstream media. We must love truth and seek after truth. Truth is a person, and that person is Yeshua. We are warned about a strong, deluding spirit that would be present in the end days, as it is written in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Beloved, I believe we are rapidly approaching the end days, so guard your mind and your heart by staying in the Word and staying close to Yeshua. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion for Day of Atonement. Leviticus 26, 40-46 But at last my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. 
when I have turned their hostility back on them and brought them to the land of their enemies, then at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled, and they will pay for their sins. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land must be abandoned to enjoy its years of Sabbath rest, as it lies deserted. At last the people will pay for their sins, for they have continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees. But despite all this, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord their God. For their sakes, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations, that I might be their God. I am Yahweh. These are the decrees, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence of the relationship between himself and the Israelites. Isaiah 25, 1-28, 13 O Lord, I, Isaiah, will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. You planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. You turn mighty cities into heaps of ruins. Cities with strong walls are turned to rubble. Beautiful palaces and distant lands disappear and will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong nations will declare your glory. Ruthless nations will fear you. But you are a tower of refuge to the poor, O Lord, a tower of refuge to the needy in distress. You are a refuge from the storm and a shelter from the heat. For the oppressive acts of ruthless people are like a storm beating against a wall or like the relentless heat of the desert. But you silence the roar of foreign nations, as the shade of a cloud cools relentless heat, so the boastful songs of ruthless people are stilled. In Jerusalem, the Lord of Heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. Sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his people and his land. The Lord has spoken. In that day the people will proclaim, This is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. For the Lord's hand of blessing will rest on Jerusalem, but Moab will be crushed. It will be like straw trampled down and left to rot. God will push down Moab's people as a swimmer pushes down water with his hands. He will end their pride and all their evil works. The high walls of Moab will be demolished. They will be brought down to the ground, down into the dust. 
In that day everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He humbles the proud and brings down the arrogant city. He brings it down to the dust. The poor and oppressed trample it underfoot, and the needy walk all over it. But for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead of them. Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. In the night I search for you, in the morning I earnestly seek you. For only when you come to judge the earth will people learn what is right. Your kindness to the wicked does not make them do good. Although others do right, the wicked keep doing wrong, and take no notice of the Lord's majesty. O Lord, they pay no attention to your upraised fist. Show them your eagerness to defend your people. Then they will be ashamed. Let your fire consume your enemies. Lord, you will grant us peace. All we have accomplished is really from you. O Lord our God, Others have ruled us, but you alone are the one we worship. Those we served before are dead and gone. Their departed spirits will never return. You attacked them and destroyed them, and they are long forgotten. O Lord, you have made our nation great. Yes, you have made us great. You have extended our borders, and we give you the glory. Lord, in distress we searched for you. We prayed beneath the burden of your discipline. Just as a pregnant woman writhes and cries out in pain as she gives birth, so were we in your presence, Lord. We too writhe in agony, but nothing comes of We have not given salvation to the earth, nor brought life into the world. But those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy, for your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. Go home, my people, and lock your doors. Hide yourselves for a little while until the Lord's anger has passed. Look, the Lord is coming from heaven to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will no longer hide those who have been killed. They will be brought out for all to see. In that day, the Lord will take his terrible swift sword and punish Leviathan, the swiftly moving serpent, the coiling, writhing serpent. He will kill the dragon of the sea. In that day, sing about the fruitful vineyard, I the Lord, will watch over it, watering it carefully. Day and night I will watch so no one can harm it. My anger will be gone. If I find briars and thorns growing, I will attack them. I will burn them up, unless they turn to me for help. Let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. 
The time is coming when Jacob's descendants will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the whole earth with fruit. Has the Lord struck Israel as he struck her enemies? Has he punished her as he punished them? No, but he exiled Israel to call her to account. She was exiled from her land as though blown away in a storm from the east. The Lord did this to purge Israel's wickedness, to take away all her sin. As a result, all the pagan altars will be crushed to dust. No Asherah pole or pagan shrine will be left standing. The fortified towns will be silent and empty, the houses abandoned, the streets overgrown with weeds. Calves will graze there, chewing on twigs and branches. The people are like the dead branches of a tree, broken off and used for kindling beneath the cooking pots. Israel is a foolish and stupid nation, for its people have turned away from God. Therefore, the one who made them will show them no pity or mercy. Yet, the time will come when the Lord will gather them together like hand-picked grain. One by one he will gather them, from the Euphrates River in the east to the brook of Egypt in the west. In that day the great trumpet will sound. Many who were dying in exile in Assyria and Egypt will return to Jerusalem to worship the Lord on his holy mountain. What sorrow awaits the proud city of Samaria, the glorious crown of the drunks of Israel? It sits at the head of a fertile valley, but its glorious beauty will fade like a flower. It is the pride of a people brought down by wine. For the Lord will send a mighty army against it, like a mighty hailstorm and a torrential rain. They will burst upon it like a surging flood and smash it to the ground. The proud city of Samaria, the glorious crown of the drunks of Israel, will be trampled beneath its enemies' feet. It sits at the head of a fertile valley, but its glorious beauty will fade like a flower. Whoever sees it will snatch it up, as an early fig is quickly picked and eaten. Then at last, the Lord of Heaven's armies will himself be Israel's glorious crown. He will be the pride and joy of the remnant of his people. He will give a longing for justice to their judges. He will give great courage to their warriors who stand at the gates. Now, however, Israel is led by drunks who reel with wine and stagger with alcohol. The priests and prophets stagger with alcohol and lose themselves in wine. They reel when they see visions and stagger as they render decisions. Their tables are covered with vomit. Filth is everywhere. Who does the Lord think we are, they ask? Why does he speak to us like this? Are we little children just recently weaned? He tells us everything over and over, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there. So now God will have to speak to his people through foreign oppressors who speak a strange language. God has told his people, Here is a place of rest. Let the weary rest here. This is a place of quiet rest, but they would not listen. So the Lord will spell out his message for them again, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there, so that they will stumble and fall. They will be injured, trapped, and captured.
Galatians 3, 10-22 Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse, for the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scriptures doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants, Rather, it says, to his child, and that, of course, means Yeshua. This is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later, when God gave the Torah to Moses. God would be breaking his promise, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the Torah, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law, the Torah, given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his Torah through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law, his Torah, and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the Torah could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Yeshua. Psalm 61, 1-8 O God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you are my safe refuge a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me an inheritance reserved for those who fear your name, and many years to the life of the King. May his years span the generations. May he reign under God's protection forever. 
May your unfailing love and faithfulness watch over him. Then I will sing praises to your name forever, as I fulfill my vows each day. Proverbs 23:17 and 18 Don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. I'd like to speak to you today from Leviticus chapter 26, and then we're going to jump into Isaiah 25. And in Leviticus 26, starting in verse 40 through to the end of the chapter, it's a very significant passage because it's basically giving us a major key to how to get out of prison, how to get out from under the judgments of the Lord. And so let's just look at it together. I'm reading from the King James Version, Leviticus 26, verse 40. If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary to me. Let me just pause right there. This is a major principle. This basically is saying that we want to confess the sins of our fathers. Not just our own personal sin, but the sin of our church forefathers. This became the major premise behind why many, many Christians from all denominations and streams came together for the last several years on the 9th of Av, a dark day in Jewish history, to repent of the sins of the church forefathers for all the many, many atrocities and persecutions that have been done against the Jews over time in the name of Christ. This includes the Holocaust, the Crusades, the Inquisition, the pogroms. Many, many terrible things have been done to the Jewish people in the name of Christ by our church forefathers. And so when we do, this is why we do this. We have blood on our hands. And remember, when sin is done, it can go down to the third and the fourth generation, even though the third or the fourth generation may be innocent. It says that in Exodus. Let's continue on. Verse 41. And that I also have walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then... Their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept the punishment of their iniquity. Let me just pause right there. So, basically, because we, as a people, have walked contrary to God, then he says, I, the Lord, am going to walk contrary to you, and I'm going to bring you into the land of your enemies. Well, what is the land of your enemies? I'll I'll talk about America, the United States, but this is probably true for many, many nations, except one. And that is that the, the United States is not the nation it was 50 years ago, or even 20 years ago, or even five years ago. The nation has been radically transformed, and it is no longer, in my opinion, a republic. Republic has fallen. And we had an election, a fake election with fake 
results, and we now have a fake president operating from the White House. But the election was stolen, and the evidence and the data is certainly there to show that. And so there are dark powers at work that are pulling strings and have an, a, an agenda. So we're now in the land of our enemies. Uh, basically, a lot of communism, the thinking, the mindset, the ideology, and the practices and beliefs are now being implemented in this nation, in our universities, in our government, in the public arena. Uh, communism is pretty much what's being programmed in the schools and in the curriculum and in the messaging. Uh, we had a professor recently resign from Portland State University saying, I just can't go along with these woke politics. We're supposed to help people learn how to think for themselves and think critically and not tell them to just believe one thing. And so this professor resigned. So we're now living in the land of our enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they then accept the punishment of their iniquity, what is the punishment? That we live in exile. We don't live in the land of Israel. We don't live in Jerusalem. We don't live in the place where God has chosen to place his name and where Yeshua is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. We live out here in exile, in the land of our enemies. Verse 42, Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember and I'll remember the land. What is this covenant that's being referred to here? Well, um, the covenant was given to Abraham. Abraham was found as righteous because he believed God, and he believed the promise that God gave him. What was that promise? The promise was, look up, Abraham, do you see the stars of heaven? Your seed will be more numerous than all the stars of heaven. And then he said to Abraham, Look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. You see all this land here that you're looking at? To this, to your descendants will I give this land. And this was the promised land. This was Israel, the land of Israel. So we are grafted in by faith. And the promise and the covenant that God gave to Abraham and to his seed, that would be us, that this covenant is for us. If we are believers in Yeshua as Messiah, then the covenant that God gave to Abraham and to, to his seed is for us. Verse 43, The land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lies desolate without them, and they shall accept the punishment of their iniquity, because even because they despise my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. So what causes exile? When we turn away from God and from His judgments and His statutes, when we turn away from His Word and we don't follow His Word. Verse 44, And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly, and to break my covenant with them, for I am Yahweh their Elohim. But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. 
So now he's making a direct comparison to the Hebrews who lived in Egypt. And he brought them out of Egypt and brought them in to the promised land. So in a sense, we are all living in a type of Egypt, whether we live in Australia, New Zealand, South America, Europe, uh, somewhere in the Middle East, or here in America, or Canada, or Mexico, or South America, wherever we are, it is a type of Egypt. If we're not living in the land of Israel, the promised land, if we're outside the land, it becomes a type of an Egypt. Now remember, when the Hebrews first came to Egypt, it was a great place to be. They were in a famine, and Egypt had grain. And they were taken well they were well taken care of, and they had food to eat, and they had Goshen, a land to be, and it was a comfortable place, kind of like when a baby is first growing within the womb. It's a comfortable place. There's lots of room to grow. But towards the end of the pregnancy, the baby is pretty crowded. There's not a lot left of room left to grow inside the womb, and it's pretty soon for the time for the baby to come out. And then you go through the labor pains. Well, I think that it's time for us to come out of Egypt. I believe we're getting close to the days where it's time to exit, to leave Egypt. So, God says he's going to remember his covenant. And he did for the Hebrews when they were in Egypt. He remembered the covenant he had made with Abraham. And he looked upon their distress and their oppression, and he heard their cries, and he raised up Moses to deliver them out of Egypt. Okay, now I want to look with you at Isaiah chapter 25. And let's go to verse 6. And then verse 7 is a very interesting verse that I want to talk about. But let's start in verse 6. In Jerusalem, the Lord of Heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. Now that kind of sounds like the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is talking about the future, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now let's look at verse 7, and this is from the New Living Translation. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth, he will swallow up death forever. Now I want to read that verse in a a couple of other translations and then unpack it. In the Israel Bible version, verse 7 reads like this, And he will destroy on this mount, that would be Mount Zion or Jerusalem, the shroud that is drawn over the faces of all the peoples and the covering that is spread over all the nations. Think about that. We live in the world of COVID. And what do we see all around us? People wearing masks. Or a shroud. Okay, and in the King James Version, Isaiah 25, verse 7 reads like this, And he will destroy in this mountain, that is Mount Zion, Jerusalem, the face of the covering cast over all people, and the veil that is spread over all nations. 
boy, in light of the world that we are now living in, with everyone having to wear a mask, that it's mandatory to wear a mask, even children going to school have to wear a mask. And this is not just in one nation, it's in all nations. That God is going to destroy the face of the covering cast over all people. And this is in context to a wedding. A wedding in Jerusalem. The Lord of Heaven's armies is going to spread a wonderful feast for all the people. And he's going to remove the covering. He's going to remove the shroud that is cast over all people. So this is indicative of what are we going to be seeing in the end days? That people are wearing masks. And this is of the enemy. The mask covers up our voice. It's hard to hear when you're wearing a mask and someone speaks to you. You're talking through a cloth covering. And it's it's an instrument that, it's a symbol of submission, a symbol of, of oppression even. A, a symbol of being censored and silenced, that you don't have a voice. And that's a fundamental principle of freedom, is that you do have a voice, and your voice matters. So I just wanted to point that verse out to you. Finally, I want to point out um, another couple of verses in Isaiah chapter 26. And in verse 20 and 21, where it is written, Go home, my people, and lock your doors. Hide yourselves for a little while until the Lord's anger has passed. Look. The Lord is coming from heaven to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will no longer hide those who have been killed. They will be brought out for all to see. So anytime you see the term in that day, it's talking about the end of days. It's talking about the Great Tribulation. And the Great Tribulation period is 1260 days, three and a half years. That's mentioned in Revelation chapter 12. It's also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. So it's often compared, these end of days are compared to a woman who is pregnant and who is in labor. That in labor, she is writhing and she is in pain. In fact, that's in our reading from today, verses 16 to 18 of Isaiah 26. Let's just look at those verses. Isaiah 26 16 to 18. Lord, in distress, we searched for you. We prayed beneath the burden of your discipline. Just as a pregnant woman writhes and cries out in pain as she gives birth, so were we in your presence, Lord. We too writhe in agony, but nothing comes of our suffering. We have not given salvation to the earth, nor brought life into the world. So the time of Jacob's trouble is like a time of birth pangs, a woman in labor. And it's a time of pain. And labor pains will include things like earthquakes and famines and rumors of wars and wars. Those are all going to be things that we will see as uh, the day of the Lord approaches. So... 
back to verse 20 and 21, it's saying, Go home, my people, and lock your door. Hide yourselves for a little while until the Lord's anger has passed. Kind of is a remez hint, I think, of Passover. Until the Lord's anger has passed. And so that's what the Hebrews did in Egypt, was they had a Passover meal, then they stayed indoors, and they had blood applied to the lintels of their doorways. And then that night, when the angel of death came, the angel of death passed over those homes that had the blood applied to the door frames. And so perhaps this is hinting at a time of great judgment um, at a future Passover. And so stay indoors, lock your door, and hide for a little while until the anger has passed. Um, so interesting days that we are now living in, and it's it's always good to kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the world in the current events, but then also to spend our time in the Word, because the Word gives clarity, it gives truth, it gives understanding, it gives light, it gives comfort and hope and strength, it builds up our faith. So may all of those things be with you this day. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.